0: Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Welcome back to another episode of Multicultural TV Talk, a Media Village podcast where we bring you exclusive interviews with on-screen talent and behind-the-scenes creatives, discovering their stories and how they're changing the face of stardom across media. I am your host, Tawani Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get to talking. Joining me today is an actor from stage and screen. You've seen him on Chicago Med, Elementary, and the biggest new comedy of the season, Ghosts, Mr. Asher Grodman. Asher, welcome to the show thank you so much wow that is what an introduction awesome so firstly uh congrats on the season two renewal i know that just happened uh so many fans are excited you guys have a super fan of mark hamill and that is amazing i've seen that all over twitter i
1: was i um i was uh i mean that that, i was driving home because uh there's there's obviously 10 of us in the cast and Um, and Richie who plays Pete and I are the two New Yorkers. So we drive to Montreal and back while everyone else flies and, um, halfway on the drive, (laughs) Richie started reading this tweet to me. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) And then he started, and then he took it to the next level. The next day, he started tweeting us individually Mm -hmm. and wrote like notes to every single one of us. And I was in the grocery store down the road and just started bawling tears. Uh, he's just flabbergasted,
0: and I, I don't know
1: why, <laughs> I don't know, he, Mark campbell has been in a good mood.
0: Yeah, that's so sweet of him, really, and and I mean, it just speaks to the how much people love the show. It's such a, it's just a different comedy. It's like we haven't seen a single cam comedy in a while, um, especially with CBS. It's a lot of um, sort of like traditional sitcoms, you know, so seeing this like very fresh take on on what comedy is, and it's also imported from the UK. Um, but you know, obviously people love it. It's like the number one comedy, the number one new comedy this season. Um, and you know, I feel like we were just waiting forever for renewal. We're like, what's going to happen? Just when are yeah. they going to make it official? <laughs> yeah. People
1: love the show. I, I, Mark Hamill, I, I just to go back is, I think must be <laughs> the kindest, sweetest human being ever. Cause he's made all of our lives in the last 24 <laughs> hours. Um, but yeah, people love the show, which is like. Man, it is so hard to be an actor. It, this is, it is such a, I was, I had 18 years of unemployment uh, before this thing. And you, you hope to get a job, but like maybe, maybe you'll get a job, but it's not going to be something that you enjoy. And then maybe you get a job and something you enjoy, but it's not going to be something that other people enjoy. <laughs> and, and, and it ha, it's happened. And um, the coolest part is like people will, I'll see tweets or something where it's like, this is the one show that like my daughter will watch with me. Mm-hmm. that's that's amazing like that I, I i can't even begin to um express how how cool that is and i think how lucky we all are
0: yeah uh, so i wanted to just go back um to your audition and at this point it was a while ago it was several pilot seasons ago before covid was even a thing Uh, and we'll get into how all of the whole show was impacted by that. But, um, what was your whole audition experience? Like, was it still a tape or did you go in person, uh, in New York? Uh, I did go in person. Um, I went in person to CBS and, um, uh,
1: Eric Goldberg who, who's, uh, was casting it along with Rosalie Joseph and Eric I had known since I was in college, uh, and Rosalie I've known since I was a kid and, Mm -hmm. um, and I've been doing pilot seasons up until that point. I've been doing them for 18 years and nobody books pilots. Like it doesn't, I know it's pilot season. Everyone's going out for pilots. Okay, but no one gets these jobs. It's like winning the lottery. <laughs> and even if you get it, they're not gonna make it. And even if they make it, it's not gonna go to series. So just give up. <laughs> there was like, there was a, like a guest star on Blue Bloods that I was like completely amped about. I was like, well, I gotta get this guest star. I gotta get it. my agents mm-hmm. like, calm down. <laughs> they like you, this ghost crew likes you. I'm like, no. It's never going to happen. I'll never get that job. Blue Bloods. Um, And lo and behold. So I I went in and did the audition. Um, I was like an hour late because I was hung up at a previous audition. And when I got into the room, there were like three people there, one of whom was Josh Molina. And I am an obsessive West Wing fan. Mm. And I got to meet Josh Molina, which was amazing. Um, And then I went in and it was one of those cool things where it's like, Auditioning after hours it was late at late at night. Put a thing on the table a couple of times, uh, and then that whole interaction with my agents <laughs> about Blue Bloods, um, and then we got a call saying that I was I was uh, the creators wanted to meet me over Zoom, which is crazy, like ahead of its time, right? <laughs> um, and they gave me some notes. I Met with uh, Joe Port, Joe Wiseman, and Trent O'Donnell, who's directing the pilot. Um, and they were amazing. Uh, we did some taped some more things with casting. And then uh, the waiting game began of mm-hmm. studio tests and network tests and what was going to happen. And it was a day where I thought I was going to find out. And uh, I did favors for everyone in my life that day. <laughs> I was just trying to turn up goodwill. And then I think around like 9, 10 o'clock at night after I had like, begun to lose hope. My phone rang. I was down in Tribeca and literally just screaming my head off, and <laughs> jumping for joy and calling everyone I knew, like weeping on the street. It's a lot of crying on the street. Like. <laughs> and after we shot the pilot, we then waited for like four or five months to see if they would pick us up. And there was, they had to tell us by like March 31st or something like that. This would be March 31st of 2021. And, uh, and every day went by, we didn't hear anything. We are like, well, maybe this is never gonna happen. Like, and we started hearing rumors, oh, it's an expensive show. <laughs> we were like, no, um, and, uh, and I saw Richie that morning. He said, come over on March 31st, come over, have breakfast, we'll commiserate. Cause that was the day that our fate would be sealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went over there, we had a great time. Uh, and then I was like, I don't know. Cause if this is good news, I would really like to drive out to my parents' house right, and share this with my parents because mm. I've never had good news <laughs> about my acting career. But if it's bad news, the last place I want to be is with, at my parents' house with my right. parents because that's going to be miserable. And Richie, to his credit, was like, go to your parents. I feel like, I feel, I feel mm. like it's, it's going to work out. Um, and then I went and didn't hear anything. And then like nine o'clock at night, I gave up. I started driving into New York and then I got a phone call. Uh, <laughs> I started screaming on the phone like, Oh my God. And my agents called me, all of them. They got to my agent, my manager, they all got together in a big group. They called me and uh, and told me and I turned the car around. It was raining. I went, drove <laughs> in my parents' house. My dad came out of the house and the rain was like, what? what's happening? What's happening? And I handed the phone with all my agents to my, my dad and my mom and, they told them and we all started jumping up and down as a puppy that joined in on in the, jumping. In
0: the <laughs> you know, between those two things between you booking it and then, uh, shooting the pilot and then like, you know, there's like five to six months between each of these, which is just wild. So once you had booked it, if I remember correctly, um, cause I followed like the whole cast on Instagram. So I've seen everyone's like stories and, and throwbacks and whatnot. So I remember correctly, you and Richie were about to travel to go shoot the pilot and then that's you we shut down. No, you were there already. No. We were there. So what happened was in that like obstacle
1: course that is trying to get on a television show, a network television show, one of the last stages is there's a table read
0: mm.
1: and they get the cast together in LA, they do the table read. And I've, I've always heard the nightmare stories of you get, you get the pilot, they're gonna make the pilot, it's gonna happen. And then you're gonna get to the table read and at least two of you are gonna be fired. And it's like oh come on <laughs> so we, we had a week in la and they kept pushing back the table read it was supposed to be on a monday there was on a tuesday it was on a wednesday they literally pushed it back every single day um so nothing felt certain and then they finally pushed it to friday and around the wednesday uh COVID things started bubbling up i think it was that wednesday or that thursday the nba shut down and then suddenly we were like is there a chance that we get this thing and then the world breaks? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we did the table read on a Friday morning. Finally, uh, we sat in this little room with no windows as they pulled us out one by one to like do uh, um, like physicals on us or something. Um, and eventually our director walked in the room and said, great. They loved it. And then it was like, let's start rehearsal. And we're like, wait, what? So we're alive? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're alive. <laughs> uh, we started rehearsing for like 20 minutes and we all went to lunch. Um, and uh, then our creators walked over and told us, guys, the world's shutting down.
0: <laughs> oh God.
1: And, uh, and we sat in the, <laughs> in the cafeteria at CBS, just like uh, Radford, just, you know, it was, it was devastating. They're like, well, maybe we'll be back in a few weeks. And we're all like, we're not going to be back in a few weeks. This is, this is going to be an obscenely long and torturous process with COVID and the pandemic and stuff. And, um, and we went home never knowing what was going to happen. But yeah, that was the Friday we were supposed to shoot on the Monday. Gosh.
0: And then, you know, the, the whole industry at this standstill for four to five months. Um, I think things finally started shooting again, in like August or September after such a long break since March. But yeah. for you guys, once you guys had come back... What was that whole process like? Not you guys just being a new show, but also all of these COVID protocols on top of that. First of all, our COVID team is
1: amazing. Like, we made it, we shot for six months and it
0: wasn't until the last five
1: days that we had a COVID case, which is really amazing when you think of that. Yeah. Um, but the hardest part of it is because we're such an ensemble comedy, right? Like the listening and the kind of, uh, spontaneity, uh, the, the sense of play between us, mm-hmm. is so important. Um, and you, we rehearse with masks on, so like people can say a line or have say a thing, but like I don't, uh, I think I might know what they're up to, but I don't quite know mm-hmm. what they're up to until the mask come on, and that's when we're shooting. So you're trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, it's an obstacle. We all have our little tents that we sit in uh, outside of set.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, our social lives are, are, are basically like that little tent that we hide in together um, in groups of four, and then being pulled on the set in masks and masks and sometimes shields and, and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a tricky thing, but the other thing that I would say is I argue that we are a better ensemble and much better friends because we had to go through this whole thing. Mm. I think the obstacles that COVID provides uh, because this job all meant something to all of us, um has made us all better because we're so keyed into what each other is doing because we don't have that much time we don't have that much face time with each other
0: which is crazy to think because you know the the chemistry between each of you it's like and you know obviously you're probably like off off camera and whatnot and offset you're like this loving group of people because you've endured so much together in such a short span of time yet the characters are all sick and tired of each other. <laughs> like yeah. just that, that whole contrast to me, is just so funny. Uh, and again, and like. We all
1: love each other though. I do think that, uh, Richie is taking years off Brandon's life. I'm pretty sure. i <laughs> uh, terrifying him. If you're following on Instagram, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, because he gets, he, he gets pranked and scared every single day. Brandon may not make it
0: in season two. We'll find out. Oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, looking at your career, the majority of what you've done, at least on television, um, have been dramas, and this is sort of like your first sitcom. At least, in, really, uh, have you done sitcoms like pilots before? Or were those all dramas as well? I have never done a pilot before
1: that. Before this, um, I did. I mean, I played Amadeus and Amadeus, which is kind of a comedy until you, mm-hmm. you, know, you get to act two. Uh, <laughs> Um, I did a play called stones in his pockets, which is a very funny play, but also really, you know, very sad in the end Dark comedy. Uh, yeah. So this is, um, yeah, this is my first time time doing this.
0: So what would you say are like some of the biggest challenges, um, with this particular role compared to the things that you've done in the past, besides being pantless on set all the time? It's funny, actually
1: the greatest, um, the scariest part is having to be funny. That was the scariest part. Um, and then the solution to that, at least in my head, was the pantless thing. Because I was like, wait, hold, stop, you're freaking out, stop. You're not wearing any pants. No matter what you say, the, uh, you're not wearing any pants. So the, you're, the writers gave me this amazing gift uh, with the, the the pantless thing, because he's a dude who objectifies people, and he is half naked. So he, he like constantly objectified um, and brought down aside because of the wardrobe so there's that and then the other thing that helped me a lot was trying to think about you know there's a musicality to it there's a rhythm to it and when i'm with the cast in the ensemble that rhythm and that musicality becomes very self-evident and then there's a point of view on things that as for an actor is always the the bread and butter of any of any role right so mm. Trevor it was like man life was fun Death should be fun too and no one else wants to have fun or party the way that he does which leads to this kind of like puppy energy of like just looking for action constantly mm-hmm. um, even though there, you know there's an episode recently where he's looking you know he's hoping a guy falls off a ladder to have a good time does any <laughs> leave right um, and uh, and so that point of view on stuff Um, is very helpful to find the funny and then also being able to rely on a lot of you know Jewish humor because Mm I'm I I, I'm in the very rare position of being a Jewish guy who gets to play a Jewish
0: guy on television Mm -hmm.
1: and that's very cool
0: so looking back at your successes if you were to tell your 13 year old self that you'd made it this far do you think they'd believe you My 13 year old self
1: wasn't even acting. And I think he'd be like, what are you doing? My 13 year old was the only kid in the whole school who wasn't in the school musical. So he'd be shocked, but he'd also probably cry and I'd be crying as I told him. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it, yeah, it would, it's, it, it would have been beyond a dream come true. I had the realization yesterday that I, I'm sure I've, I don't know how many things I've auditioned for, but and I got almost none of them <laughs> over 18 years. And the thing that I got is probably the, the best thing, the most successful, whatever you gauge that in, but I would say in just content and experience, probably the most successful thing I ever auditioned for. Mm. It's amazing. I mean, like I, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, I'm trying to make a point of taking it all in because it's a really remarkable thing.
0: Yeah. And if you could give that 13-year-old you any advice, what would you tell them? I would say that there's a lot of things
1: that are, like, scary out there, but sometimes the anticipation of those scary things is much worse. And try to run towards your fears as much as you can, Uh, especially in this business where there's just... The only person you will never see act is you. So it's completely disorientating and uh endorsed uh, this why can't I speak?
0: Oriental. Disorienting.
1: <laughs> Disorienting. Um, and people will tell you stuff, and people will make money off of telling you stuff and making you believe a certain thing about yourself. And um, that's really scary and really hard. Uh, and the more that you can listen to how you feel find something to stabilize yourself to orient yourself um which is usually just focusing on what's the story you're telling Mm. and then being aware of okay what's a fear in me versus a legitimate fear um that's what i would say
0: awesome well asher thank you so much for joining us today on multicultural tv talk uh if anyone wants to give you a follow on instagram where can they find you Asher Grodman, uh, at Asher Grodman on Twitter or or, uh, or Instagram. And you can all follow us at MediaVillage.com on Instagram. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to Media Village Podcast to never miss an episode. And you can catch season one of Ghosts on Paramount Plus and stay tuned for season two. I'm Juan Yala and you're listening to Multicultural TV Talk.